This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 382 with Jessica Sonarski. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 382. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jessica Sinarski, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too. Glad to be here. This is going to be fun. You would talk about, and your work is all around stuff I just think is so important right now, and especially in the culture that we're in. I love talking about kids and emotions and parents and our past. So I'm very excited to bring this all to the forefront in our conversation today. So let's get started and have you talk a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay. So this is a great time to be talking about the dynamics of personal and professional because my kids just went back to school. So I have three kids and my youngest just started kindergarten and I love routine And alone time in my house is the most restorative thing for me. So summer break is challenging. We are twins. We are absolutely twins. (laughs) The best best feeling. That would be my vacation. Yes, Um, me too. (laughs) My husband goes away once a year with my son and I'm like counting down the days from like Uh every year. I'm like, okay, 362 days left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's challenging to work. It's really challenging for me to be creative while I'm juggling the family CEO responsibility. Yes. So, you know, part of living boldly, living out my dream is lots of conversations with my husband about how we're going to navigate this well. And that's an, you know, constantly evolving process and then asking for help and hiring good care providers so that I can feel confident as I leave my kids with other people while I'm doing some other things that are also really important. Right, right. That's so important. Yeah. So, And your youngest just went to kindergarten. Yeah. So, I mean, you've entered a new era. <laughs> How is I this? Is this bittersweet time. or are you feeling good about it? I feel good about it. I have a feeling the nostalgic part will hit at some point, but mm-hmm. I'm so tired right now. <laughs> that's not really at the forefront. Right. <laughs> yeah. So even though there are some big things happening, you would ask what I'm excited about. And I'm having some conversations with publishers about new manuscripts that are under construction and some really great friendships. But honestly, the 
biggest thing I will celebrate this month is finding the right after school babysitter for my children because yes. that's mom life, right? Yes. Yes, totally. So I have to share my son started first grade yesterday. By the time this goes live, it will be a little bit in the past. But at the time of recording, it was yesterday was the first day of first grade. And I really struggled this summer. It was our first summer not having full-time care. And Mm -hmm. it was just very overwhelming for me. And I like did well until like the last two or three weeks. So when he started school, I was like, kindergarten was heartbreaking to me. I was so devastated that he was so old. And this year I was like, I cannot get him out of this house fast enough. And then it was so crazy the moment we dropped him off yesterday morning, I was heartbroken all over again. And I was like, this is the day I've been living for. Like I've been living for him right. to come back in school. And then I was just immediately crushed. And so it's this constant like mind craziness where your brain is always tricking you into thinking like, I can't wait for this thing. And also I'm devastated by it. Yes. Yes. That is motherhood. It's this yes. epic shift. At all times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about brain science. We're already talking about our mindsets and the delight and devastation of motherhood. So talk about brain science, how you got involved in it and why you're so passionate about brain science. Yes. So I got involved, I mean, you heard a little bit in my bio, but my backstory is, you know, obviously I'm a therapist and there's a lot about the brain when we're dealing with mental health issues, but that actually hasn't been at the forefront. So it's only been in the last, really in the last decade or so that developmental neuroscience, so learning more about how our brains develop from a very young age has exploded where we just have tons of research and really wonderful people putting it into application. And so what has happened for me in the last 10 years is realizing just how profoundly brain anatomy impacts every aspect of our lives. Mm. And that when we learn a little bit about how our brains are functioning, life gets a whole lot better. And I've seen that shift for myself. I've seen that shift for families that I work with. I've seen that shift as I've been out speaking across the country with educators and, and other therapists and parents that this matters. And it's these powerful light bulb moments of, oh, that's why that's happening. Okay. Right. Like I have some power in this. Great. It's really exciting. I absolutely agree. And I remember reading a book when my son was really young and I'm completely not remembering the name of it right now, but I remember the power of understanding how a toddler's brain works. And cause I was kind of like, I don't need to read parenting books. Like I used to work with kids. I'm good. And then I'm reading this book and I was like, I did not work with toddlers by the way. And I was like, Oh wait, actually, if I know this, I can perform as a mother at a way higher functional level. And also it's going to take a lot of stress out. Cause I'm not just going to be like trying random things and seeing what works. Like I'm going to have some actual tools that are like yeah. tested and yeah. research based and right? based on where my child's at right now, more so than like me just trying to go on my gut or think about what I did when I worked with seven year olds 15 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. I think knowledge is power. Absolutely. And it yeah. really helps us. It gives us really good insight into ourselves and also into our kids. Right. And not only are we not, born knowing how to parent, like it's not this intrinsic thing that automatically we know how to do (laughs) well, but we all have our own histories. So we've all been parented a certain way in a certain time by certain people. And that very much impacts how our brain functions, first of all, and then also how we're parenting. So I think that's great. I love learning about this stuff with other people because it's just just makes life easier. <laughs> right, right. So talk a little bit about, because I absolutely agree, the way that we've been parented impacts the way that we parent. And our whole past experiences in childhood and young adulthood also impact how we parent, how we're able to show up in all sorts of ways in our life, obviously, but especially in parenting. Can you speak a little bit to you know, family history and what that does to a, sure. a child's brain and then how that impacts you as an adult and therefore impacts our parenting. Absolutely. So here, we'll just dive in a little bit to the brain science. Let's do it. (laughs) Because what happens is, yeah, don't be scared, moms. We got this. Right, right. So what happens is before we're born, so even prenatally, we know, you know, all systems in our bodies are developing really rapidly. 
really profoundly. And then we're born and babies, even in utero, kind of get signals via chemicals and other stimulus about what kind of world they're being born into and what they need to be ready for. So they are either getting ready for the curious, open-ended, delightful path toward adulthood or like the long road to adulthood. And I don't mean long in a negative way. I mean, you know, joyfully long with plenty of spare time to play Legos and explore with sticks and those kinds of things. Or their brain is getting a loss of stress hormones. And for all the moms who are feeling immediately guilty, just take a deep breath. You got this. We got this. We can only go from where we are. So if you feel like you were super stressed during your pregnancy, don't worry. We're going to tell you some things that can help where you are today. So what happens is if mom is has all these stress hormones, maybe there's some stuff going on in the relationship with a partner or whatever it is that the baby's brain gets the message. Oh, wait, I got to be ready. I got to be on. I need to be ready to survive. And so they start wiring a little bit more towards survival rather than connection and safety and engagement. And so there are really these two brain systems and at any given point, one is in charge. So Every signal that comes in hits something called the amygdala, this little tiny thing in the middle of your brain, and that's the gatekeeper. And for every signal, including listening to this through your headphones right now or the car that's driving by as you're out for a walk or your baby crying in the next room, all those signals hit your amygdala in milliseconds. Your amygdala decides, is it a safe situation where I can send the signal up to my upstairs brain up to my prefrontal cortex and think about it and respond to it or have a conversation with a friend or, you know, take my time dealing with the situation? Or does it go immediately to my defense brain, to my downstairs brain, where I'm reacting big, I'm protecting myself, I'm going into survival mode. And so what happens for babies, what happened for all of us who are listening is when we were born, (laughs) that same process was starting to develop. And so brain development is really all about connections in the brain. We have plenty of neurons, but that upstairs and downstairs brain getting connected is that's the key. And so all of the thousands of times that you held your son and fed your son and rocked your son and, you know, bounced him while he passed gas and all of those things, sent safety messages to his brain that said, oh, I had this danger signal. And then this safe big critter, this mama, took care of that for me. And so the world must be a pretty okay place. And I must be pretty okay. And I'm going to develop this super speed highway to my upstairs brain so that every single signal that comes in doesn't immediately go to my defense survival downstairs brain. So that pattern starts being set very early in life. And it doesn't mean that it has to stay the way that it's set early in life. But our brains are the most malleable, the most plastic and changing prenatally and in those first three years of life. So if things were hard for you, mama, that might play into why, you know, regulating your emotions feels really hard right now, or why you feel like you're not sure how to take care of this creature that that you have at home. And that's okay. There are still ways forward. And we get to be, I think the good news for me is that we get to be co-architects of our kids' brains. Like we get to help them build strong, healthy connections to their upstairs brains, which is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Just to give you a quick background, I worked in a psychiatric hospital with kids for seven years. That was my first career. And I was never made aware of the ACE assessment. But when I was made aware of this ACE assessment later in life, I was as I was reading through it for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, the kids that I worked with in the hospital, most of them had been impacted by like every single risk factor on this assessment. And so I was looking through it for myself and I had a couple of them as well that had impacted me. And so I want you to talk a little bit about the ACE assessment because I think what was really helpful for me was to look at, and I think I learned about this before I'm trying to remember when it was time-wise it was, I believe it was either my son was teeny tiny or before I had him, but when I learned about this assessment and I was able to look at my own, the impact of this, my own experiences on my life, I immediately had a sense of, oh, that's why Mm. I have these certain tendencies and needs. And here's how I can have power in that rather than having struggles around that and be careful or conscientious around how that plays into parenting. And if my child were to end up in one of these situations, how I could, again, have power around that situation. So can you talk about that ACE assessment and how it can be a valuable tool for parents in relation to our kids, but also in relation to our own childhood experiences? You bet. Yeah, that's really good. So ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. It's actually a pretty simple, like eight to 10 questions that you can find online and ask about your early childhood experiences, especially, you know, a handful of really difficult ones. The why that's significant is that an ACE score of four or more, so having four or more of these difficult early life experiences like abuse and neglect, and I think divorce might be on there, that those things are linked to a higher likelihood of physical and mental health challenges. It doesn't mean you are fated. It doesn't mean you will have physical and mental health challenges. But I think the that like, oh, that's why can be a common reaction. I do want to just give a caveat. I'm a therapist. So of course, I have to think of things from every single different angle. It's really important to note that we can change trajectory. So if you do the assessment, or you think about your child's ACE score, and it looks really high, don't take a breath. (laughs) It's, It's okay there are things we can do to make that better. I liked what you said, like, here's my power in this situation. Mm -hmm. This is what my tendency might be as a result of some of these things, but here's my power. Also, I've heard reactions of people feeling like they're really struggling and then they have a low ACE score and that feels like it just confirms that it really is your fault (laughs) that life is hard right now. (laughs) It's not your childhood. I think that result this is just a score. This is right. just a tool. Right. So use the tool in the way that it's helpful for you and then don't worry about it. Right. So if your score is low and you're struggling, it's okay. Your brain may have wired toward, you know, your defense brain for different reasons. And that doesn't mean anything bad about you. There are still great things that you can do to find power in that. Right, right. One of my own examples from in looking through that list was around divorce and my parents divorced when I was four. And it was a very like, 
peaceful, quiet, amicable <laughs> divorce. Yeah. Um, and so I think that my and my mom wanted it to be like, as any parent would, wanted it to be as like low impact to my sister and I as possible. And so sure. I think there was never really acknowledgement that that actually is a trauma, no matter how well it's done. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so when I was looking through the assessment, I was like, oh, I always had been more of like, oh, well, yeah, my parents got divorced, but a ton of people have parents who are divorced and my parents were, did not fight through the whole thing. So like, I got off easy. And so therefore mm -hmm. I shouldn't have any like residual stuff from this. And mm -hmm. that's not the case. Like you have residual right. stuff and that's okay. Right. And that was right. actually very helpful to me to recognize like, oh wait, I actually get, I mean, I don't, not to treat it too lightly, but like I actually get to have trauma around this, even though my mom yes. really tried to protect me from that. Right. Right. And of course your mom tried to protect you, but it's also, I think, that that can be a misnomer in parenting sometimes is that is that like painting the good picture focusing on the positive like those are good things you know noticing what's going to go well at school but it's also really important to acknowledge whatever the negative feelings are because they don't just go away if we don't acknowledge them i think as, as we have all experienced i know i feel better if i'm super upset and i go to my husband and say like, i've trained him if he ever listens to this, he would totally agree with this. <laughs> but I'll say to him sometimes, like, okay, babe, I don't need you to fix this. Mm -hmm. I I don't need you to, like, tell me that it's all going to be okay. I just needed you to say, yeah, that really sucks. Right. Like, oh, my gosh, honey, I'm so sorry things are so hard right now. Like, don't fix it. Don't tell me about the thing that's better or the woman who has it worse or the whatever. Like, I don't care right now. Right. I just right. need to hear that this is hard because it feels really hard. So for yeah. all the mamas out there that need to hear that parenting is hard, it is. It's incredibly hard. You can do it. You got right. this. But right. really, it feels hard because it's really stinking hard. It is yes. a superhuman feat, parenting. <laughs> totally. And oh, my God. Everyone is very appreciative of that acknowledgement right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone who started had one of those mornings this morning where like everyone's in tears by the time you get to drop off. And they're like, thank you for the, the trophy. It was a much deserved trophy and needed acknowledgement. Gold stars all around. Like I literally had to physically get my five-year-old dressed because he's so tired because he just started kindergarten that his brain couldn't. Right. And himself dressed. Like right. he just needed to cry and try to pull his underwear off. And <laughs> I just needed to pull those underwear back on. <laughs> My first grader is kind him. of in the same situation. Although he just yeah. tries to not change his underwear at all. He's like, it's sure. fine, mom. It's I've only worn it for you three days. What? Yeah. Some days it is fine, hon. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I think that this acknowledgement, I was actually just on Facebook this morning and there's a woman I follow who is a parent. Oh gosh. I want to say a parent therapist, a parenting coach. Sure. She was talking about how to reframe big emotions in, at the beginning of the school year and how mm -hmm. we should feel grateful when our children come home in highly emotional states, because it means that we've provided this very safe place for them. And I was like, yeah. that's such a great reframe because yeah. I'm going to be honest. I was struggling with that one yesterday, right? and, but she was totally right. And it's so interesting when we get caught up in the moment, it's so easy for us. Like, because our kids are really reactive. It is a superhuman feat to not be reactive in return. And yeah. so these reminders of brain function and what our child's mm -hmm. brain is doing and what they need from us in those moments, it is always helpful to be reminded yeah. because we are our own, you know, human being with needs and faults. And so to show yeah. up for kids whose brains are going haywire at the beginning of school year mm -hmm. can be really, really hard. And I think it can be a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that reframe is important. I find myself, so um, singing is a really powerful, like upstairs brain builder, or if you mm. find yourself like dropping into your downstairs brain, into your defense mode, like if my kid has asked me the same question 10 times and my answer hasn't changed, sometimes I will thing like I've already answered that question and my answer has changed <laughs> because I'm less likely to yell at him right. if I'm singing the answer than than if I'm saying it for the 11th time right. and so so sometimes the thing I sing to myself is about how them being strong-willed 
is going to be a really great trait. Oh my gosh. In the future. Yes. Right. Yes. I have a quote on my fridge about that. And I don't remember exactly what it is. My mom gave it to me because I was a strong-willed child and my child is a strong-willed child, but it was basically like strong-willed children are the ones who change the world. But if you have like the patience to let them spread their wings and continue to be strong-willed. Oh, I thought it was going to be if you, if they survived childhood. (laughs) No, no, no. It was basically like, we see that your child is very challenging and that's going to be a good thing someday. So keep going. Exactly. Exactly. I know. I'm always like, this is why and how he will be a CEO. And so this is exactly the tenacity and perseverance all there. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So what is the most important thing that moms need to know about the brain? So I really think that if you take away anything from this podcast, it should be the two main operating systems. So I mentioned that, you know, you're either in your upstairs or downstairs brain. And I didn't come up with that. That's Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. I definitely recommend their book, Parenting the Whole Brain Child. I think it's what it's called. That's the book I was referring to earlier. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't remember the name. (laughs) Fantastic book. Every human should read it. I will link it in the Um, show notes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good one. And so basically what happens is in any situation in life, we are functioning out of one of those systems and your upstairs brain is home of your prefrontal cortex, the good human part of your brain that lets you, like I was saying before, like pause and reason and pay attention to boring stuff and learn new things without fear. And, you know, all the things our kids need to do in school, that's all upstairs brain stuff. Sit still even without constantly looking around for what's going to hurt you. Those are all very much upstairs brain things, as well as all of the joy in relationships. That is all very much an upstairs brain thing. So wanting to be near people, enjoying other people's company. This is not an introvert extrovert thing. This is just any level of human connection that feels good is an upstairs brain thing. And we learn that very, very young. And so it's part of why sometimes those injuries from childhood, especially if they're with your mom or dad or whoever your primary caregiver was, feel so lasting and impact you so deeply is because Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of developing this operating system, this Mm -hmm. upstairs brain operating system. So if we're operating in our upstairs brain, that's when I can stay calm enough to sing my response instead of yelling and, you know, sending them away or something. And so, you know, we are not immune as adults. You want to see a bunch of adults in their downstairs brain, look around when you're on an airplane that is delayed or while you're driving in traffic, like when traffic is starting, right? So this is not a kid thing. This is a human thing. Mm -hmm. And so the downstairs brain, the defense, survival system is really that it's about survival and especially survival on my own. Yeah. So it is not the home of healthy connected relationships. It doesn't let you go and ask for help. It doesn't let you creatively find a solution. It's quick reactions. It's self-focused and, you know, probably doesn't feel that great to the people around you. And so these are really big, complicated concept. And so what I found as I was learning more and more about the brain and finding it so like it was lighting up my mind for like, ah, this is what's happening here. And that client, like this is going on in that relationship. And oh, like this makes so much sense. But I struggled to find a resource that really put it in a form that kids could grab onto. And especially kids who had had some pretty big ACEs, some pretty big trauma or adversity in their early life. And so I created Riley the Brave. And what was my next question? Yeah. So tell us all about Riley the Brave. So my background is in foster care and adoption. I've done a lot of work in that space. And so I've seen the story play out a million times that kids are incredibly courageous to survive terrible situations and survive, you know, deep gut-wrenching losses. But the same things that keep them alive are also the things that get them in trouble in the future when they're in a safe setting. And so how that plays out is, you know, they needed to be prickly to protect themselves against people getting too close. But then when they're prickly in the future, that's a problem for parents or a teacher or, you know, 
whatever safer situation they're in. So basically, the other piece of your defense brain that you probably have heard of is your fight or flight response. Yeah. And then even deeper, so fight or flight is active, it's your body getting ready to run or or fight. And there's a passive defense that is freeze, so sort of that deer in headlights, or feign death, that kind of possum thing when things are so overwhelming that you just can't. You just need to stop. And so these are big, heavy topics. But they're important things to bring to the surface. You know, part of why I reached out to you, Sarah, is I love the title of your academy, the Shameless Mom Academy, because shame plays such a toxic role in so much of our lives as moms, for sure, but just as humans. And so what I did with Riley is, so Riley's a little bear cub, and he's a lot like his friends, but he also had some hard things in his past. I don't get specific about the hard things in his past because as I have used books with my kids and with clients, I find the specific sometimes less helpful. Mm-hmm. So to just keep it super relatable, you know, there's some hard things that make him feel all mixed up inside. But he's also very brave. And he used to be brave like a porcupine. He used to be brave like a tiger. So, you know, using his claws, those big fight or flight responses are given these animal characteristics and he used to be brave like a chameleon and a turtle. And so those are those like freeze, feign death Mm. characteristics, but they're in this, in animal form and it's easier to get close to that story. And he used to be brave like a squirrel. So this is a tricky one because what do squirrels do? Like, what do we think of when we think of squirrels? Dart all over the place. They do. That's a good one. I, I um, hadn't incorporated that part of it, but they store things up, right? Oh, like yeah, that too. Stockpile of, <laughs> right? So they have their little stockpile. And so a lot of us who have experienced trauma might feel more of a need to have a safety nest, yeah, to have yeah. to get resources for ourselves. In our kids, we see this in sneaking or lying or stealing. And so especially if there's been some like poverty or not being sure if they had enough, that's going to be even stronger. And so what it ends up looking like is a kid who's manipulative when really it's just them figuring out how to survive without needing an adult. Yeah. Right. So if, if I can provision for myself, if I can get what I need myself. So Riley the Brave tells the story of, you know, he used to be brave in these ways. And now he's learning new ways to be brave because it really is quite courageous to learn to trust. And so you end up seeing him with elephants. They're never called like parents or foster parents or anything because, again, I wanted all kids to be able to put themselves in the story. Mm -hmm. So it can be somebody with two moms or it can be somebody living with their grandma and grandpa. It can be, you know, for my kids, they're used to having a mom and a dad. And so they have decided which elephant is the mom and which is the dad. And that's great. And so you see Riley in these settings with these elephants learning to create courageous skill of trusting. And it's a really a, a sweet and beautiful thing. And he still has tiger moments or turtle moments, but that's okay. We can see them for what they are. It, he, he has a tiger moment, but it doesn't define him. And so that's mm-hmm. part of what sucks the shame out of the situation. So I've had, yeah, so that's kind of, that's a long-winded <laughs> version of what the book's about. (laughs) I love that you made it relatable in so many different ways so that it's something that a child from, you know, a super stable, secure environment who is having a hard time with a kid on the playground can get something out of it. Just like a child who's maybe had a really tumultuous, you know, unpredictable and unstable background. Yeah. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And that's really what I've seen with it which has been really exciting. I certainly wrote it with my kids in foster care or who've been adopted in mind because Mm -hmm. so many books, they have to go jump through seven hoops to relate to so many stories that I wanted to make sure they didn't have to. Right. So yeah, maybe my kids have to, but they don't seem to like, it seems pretty automatic. Kids seem to get it. It doesn't seem like a lot of hoop jumping. Right. So that's been a really great thing. And I also think that, there's so many things that we can learn from our children's books, but I think that we can also look at our own experiences. Like where are we showing up as the porcupine? Where are we showing up as the tiger? Where are, and I think that these are really, really valuable things to look at in ourselves before we look at them in our kids. Because I think that that's where it begins in terms of parenting is looking at our own defense mechanisms, our own places that, you know, our own traumas that we've overcome and worked through. And maybe we've addressed them fully completely and had closure and maybe we haven't. And so I think looking at that can be really valuable. And I can see where just reading this book with your child, (laughs) you would get to process some of our own things as the parent, as we're also helping our kids. Right. That's spot on because I promise you, you know, I'll read in schools and we'll do a little thing where like, raise your hand if you've ever had a porcupine moment. And I'll joke with the teachers, like most of them put their hands up automatically. But, you know, I'll joke with them like, wait a minute, I, everybody in this room better have their hand up. Because I know, <laughs> I know I've had porcupine right, moments. Right. And the kids know their teacher had a porcupine moment, you know, yesterday or this morning. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Like, that's the beauty of having some language for it. That I can say, like, hey, I'm sorry I got all tigery with you earlier. Yes, I and then, love that language. Right? And then just stop talking. It doesn't have to be like, but you shouldn't have been such a little brat. And Right. right. <laughs> Which is tempting. We want to be justified in our, right. in our tiger moments. But yes. we can be mad at our kids and not have a tiger moment. Just like we would want them to be able to be mad at their brother or sister or friend. And not have a tiger moment toward them. So you know, we're working on modeling those same things. I think that's spot on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think and when we get that insight into our own behavior, our own background is yeah. so beneficial for everyone. And I think it can be very uncomfortable to look at ourselves, ourselves, and our past in that way. But I also yeah. think it's the only way to really support our kids and what they're going through. And I don't know how much work you've done in like intergenerational trauma, but that's something that's coming Mm -hmm. to mind right now. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't acknowledge where we've come from and we don't really look at like, what does all that mean? Then we're passing a lot of our stuff onto our kids and consciously and unconsciously. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's tough stuff, but there's also such freedom when you can face it. And so that's another positive thing I've seen coming through with the book is I've gotten messages from therapists and adults about adult clients Mm -hmm. or, you know, other adults have reached out to me to say like, Hey, like, this is what was happening. This is what's been going on my whole life. You know, I was in prison because of a big tiger Mm -hmm. moment, you know, and now I'm really trying to figure out what this learning to trust thing looks like. I don't know who my safe big critters are yet, but it gives you a framework. Like that's why my brain's wired this way. 
And I have some power in how to move forward in that situation. Right. That's a really big deal. Yeah. And it's scary. It's so scary at first because your brain has learned to not look at that stuff because it's too scary to look at. But man, if we can turn toward, I think so much of dealing with trauma is turning toward to go through it instead of going around it or away from it or all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, I think that there's so many ways to neutralize things and we're going to get to shame here in just a second, but there's so many ways to neutralize things and then we can own them in a really different way. And so, I mean, you mentioned this with just looking at the ACE assessment to neutralize it and be like, oh, okay. So on a, you know, with these eight to 10 measures and I can say yes to, you know, let's say four of them looking at that super neutrally and then looking at like, oh, okay, now it's a formula. Like if eight of these pertain to me, that means that X, Y, Z is probably like, these are going to be some areas that are going to be harder for me, or these are going to be some Mm -hmm. ways that I show up in my porcupine self or my tiger self or what have you. And keeping that really neutral and owning it versus walking around with shame. And I think that sometimes we are so caught up in hiding stories and hiding our past And often because we want to protect our loved ones, we want to protect our kids, we don't want to hurt anymore, but then we don't ever get to turn toward the trauma, as you just said so eloquently. And I think there's a lot of benefit in looking at something from a very neutral standpoint and saying, okay, so this happened, which means that these are the implications. And now here's how we can move forward. And when you keep it really neutral, which is hard, I'm not saying that's easy, but when you can keep it really neutral in terms of tone and judgment, your ability to move through it and support your loved ones as you move through it, or you help them move through things as well, I just think is is so different. It's a totally different, I mean, like you just mentioned a framework, it's a totally different framework in terms of having power around it. That's right. Especially because, so for moms who are listening to this and feeling like, oof, this is hitting home for my childhood, I think there's power in understanding that your brain wasn't wired to distinguish between yourself and your caregiver. So if you, Mm. if you didn't have great parenting in those early years, your brain automatically meshes all of that together with yourself, right? Mm. Because you need a safe big critter to survive. And Mm. so you're linked to them. And so naturally you feel like anything negative that happened is your fault because that's how we're wired. So you see that in beautiful ways in healthy child development, when they think that everything positive that happens is because of them, you know, we see that side of it. But on the negative end, you might be walking around with these feelings of, like, it's because of me that X, Y, and Z happened. And there's just no way that that's such a hard thing to feel in your bones, when you've gone through hard stuff, really early in life without some good support. Right, right. Okay, so let's dive into shame and living shamelessly. So talk about your kind of construct around shame and as it might pertain to the book and to Riley the Brave. Sure. So, you know, some things that I've already mentioned, but I think one takeaway is certainly that our brains, so behavior is a function of your brain, just like blood flow is a function of your heart. Mm. that we tend to like make it character or make it so a kid who has a part time with lying or stealing, like that they're a bad kid. Well, that's a behavior. Like that's a thing that they're doing and their brain is working on learning how to delay gratification or to, you know, trust that somebody else is going to provide for them or whatever the thing is. I'm not saying lying and stealing is okay by any stretch, right? We have to teach truth telling, you know, and respecting other people's property and all of those kinds of things. But if we can shift from that, like, even in our language, how we label ourselves and our kids, it really helps. It's part of why, instead of it being like having a rage episode or whatever, like it's a tiger moment. Okay, he's having a tiger moment. Like, we're just going to chill for a minute, get those claws back down. Like, it gives you a way to talk about these behaviors that are not the kid. Also, it's not, so I've done a lot of resource development outside of just the book. And I'm really careful to not say like that your kid is a tiger, right? He has Mm. tiger moments, but he's still your cub. Mm. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things that happens when you read a, a story like Riley the Brave is you can see the both and that it's not either or it's not that I'm, you know, so there's uh, I think it's Katie, 
I forget her name, but there's a quote that I love that you can be a mess and a great mom. Like we're allowed to be bold. Yeah. That you can be a kid who has tiger moments and still be a great kid. Yeah. Like we can be both. You can be a mom who has tiger moments sometimes, you know, get help, work on it. Like talk to your tribe, find a good therapist. Those are all important things, but you can still be a good mom who messes up sometimes. It's that's your identity. Your identity is that safe big critter who sometimes has tiger moments that that sweet little cub who sometimes has porcupine moments or Mm. sometimes has turtle moments. They're not turtles. They're not porcupines. I love that distinction. Thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate that clarification. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, your point to identity is the good one for sure, because yeah, we don't want to identify as, I mean, that's goes just around, like, you don't want to say a child at school is a bully as much as they are yeah. demonstrating bullying behavior. <laughs> yeah. Or a special needs kid. No, yeah. it might be a kid who has some special needs. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so important. Okay. So I want to know what encouragement do you have for moms who are trying to break negative cycles in their family? Any words of love and support that you can offer? Yes. You are not alone. I love this tribe. I know you've talked about it in that way, Sarah, and I think that's so powerful. Like I was just saying, when you mess up or have a porcupine moment with your kids or your spouse, take a breath, phone a friend, (laughs) take a walk, find your way back to your upstairs brain, and then you get to teach your family this amazing lesson that we can fail and try again. We can apologize when we blow it. Right. that's incredibly powerful. I mean, how many of you listening have never had in your childhood, never had an adult apologize to you? Right. You know, most Most rooms that I'm in, exactly. When I ask that question, they're like, it's cricket, right? Like it's radio silence because that would seem so foreign, but how powerful, like I can remember one of the times as a teenager that a parent apologized to me and it was incredibly powerful. Yeah. So so, so you get that opportunity. So yes. next time you mess up, see it's the reframe. Right, right. It's always in the reframe. <laughs> next time you blow with your kids, like, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to say, I'm really sorry. Right. I'm sorry I blew up at you. Yeah. So Period. I'll, yeah. And I actually try to apologize and make mistakes in front of my child on a regular basis because he is a very perfectionist, high anxiety kind of kid. <laughs> and so, and he gets very upset when he makes mistakes. And so I try to make sure that he sees me making mistakes so that we can model like, Oh, everybody makes mistakes and we all screw mm-hmm. up and sometimes so you go great. and fix it. And sometimes you make an apology and like all these things. And right. it's, I was trying to make like a super big deal about it when I mess up so that it's like a big example. Even though, I love it. But yeah, I mean, I think it is really, really valuable. And I definitely, I wasn't modeled that. I was modeled a lot of structure and order and things, you know, always being super predictable and controlled yeah. and all these things and which provided a ton of security for me, but it also made it hard for me to be adaptable and hard for me to see that like, oh, mistakes can be made and we can like shift and adapt and pivot in different ways. And it's all fine. It's totally good. So I think that's yeah. really important. Okay, I want to know in what ways you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Well, I like this question. So I am hiring a media and content manager, which feels really big to me because that's saying like, this is a real business. Yes, it totally Um, is. Yep. And I'm going after a book deal so that I can spend more of my working hours speaking and consulting and writing and helping other therapists, maintaining my, you know, private practice rather than some of the stuff that I don't like doing as much. In oh my, my work. gosh. So exciting. Oh, yeah. this is so, what an exciting time. Well, wishing yeah. you all the luck in that. I mean, we have to also address that you talked about in terms of being a shameless mom that you had identified that you love being in your house alone and that oh. that's necessary for you to get creative for having creative space. Because I think that is such a overlooked shameless mom need that we need yep. to be in our houses by ourselves. Right. <laughs> Right. Right. So even like I one of another way I'm being a shameless mom is purposely noticing how I'm caring for my kids in unique and dynamic ways, mm. especially when I feel like I'm falling short or I yeah. don't live up to whatever this mysterious perfect mom expectation is that like, no, I'm their mom in the ways that they need me to be their mom. And I'm killing it. I am yes. doing awesome. Yes, totally. And the voices in my head don't always say that. So I have to say it out loud and surround myself with women 
who will say it when I forget. And, yeah. you know, I just think that stuff is so important. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So this has been amazing. I so appreciate you being here today, Jessica. And I want to make sure that our readers are not readers, <laughs> you, your <laughs> readers, my audience, my listeners, I want to make sure my listeners can become your readers. So where can Woo-hoo! people find you and connect with you and find Riley the Brave? Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Jessica Sinarski, S-I-N-A-R-S-K-I, and Instagram and Facebook at Riley the Brave. And honestly, one of the best things is to sign up at bravebrains.com and rileythebrave.org to stay in the know about live events and better yet, bring me to your events if you're, yes. if you're in education, if you're in child welfare, if you have a parent group. I do workshops for national and state conferences, school districts, state agencies, parent groups, you name it. So if you want to reach out to me about any of that, my email is Jess. J-E-S-S at Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, thebrave.org. And mention this podcast so I know where you found me. Awesome. That was Jess at Riley, thebrave.org. Yep. And then it was bravebrains.com or .org? Yes, bravebrains.com. Okay. .org was not available. Okay, just so sure it is a dot .com. Yep. All right. So that will all be linked up in the show notes where people can pop over there. If you didn't quite catch it, you can always go to the show notes and get all those links directly. Thank you so much for being here, Jessica. This has been yeah. really amazing, helpful, supportive, and powerful. So I can't thank you That's enough good. for spending time here today. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode. You can do that directly. If you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that will put you in Apple podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.